1: Done. What's up, everyone, and congratulations once again. You are back with District Baseball. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter/slash X at the Coach Moose. He is Trey. You can follow him on Twitter at Reverse Two R's, Two S's, and the show at District BSB. We are back with a jam-packed episode today talking about. All things Nats. Unfortunately, a lot of off the field stuff with the Nats, but we'll get to that. Trey, what's going on?
0: Uh, Nothing much, man. I'm just uh, a a, a little disappointed that we will be focusing more on the off the field stuff with the Nats. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's how it has to be done. We got to talk about some stuff. But, you know, we do have some stuff that happened on the field as well Yes. uh, this week, uh, which included C.J. Abrams reaching the 40 stolen base mark. So I think we should start with that. Uh, C.J. has been pacing extremely well throughout the second half. Uh, Currently, he has 27 stolen bases. 27 of his 41 have come in the second half. That's only 48 games played. So extrapolate that to about 150, and you're looking at a guy who's, uh, you know, getting close to 80. Uh, if you want to, if you want to go like that. So the second half has really shown his capabilities as a, as a base stealer and as a run scorer.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say like, he's unquestionably unquestionably been one of the bright spots for the team all season long. I mean, if you want to take out the first month with all the defense stuff and you know, him batting eighth or ninth and him not doing any favors to the fans who are trying to advocate on his behalf to hit higher. (laughs) Um, but like since then, you know, uh, he's been much better, especially defensively. Like we're, we're talking about the stolen bases and rightfully so he's only the third player in nationals team history. know, so not counting the Expos with Trey Turner, Alfonso Soriano to hit 40 stolen bases. And as you said, you know, if he does this for a full season or like just bats lead off for a full Mm -hmm. season, you know, who knows what that number may look like, especially with the new rules, which is obviously the catalyst behind, you know, all these stolen bases in major league baseball, um, but also, like, if he starts walking more, and Absolutely. you know, we, we can talk about the Darnell Coles approach. I mean, it's jump on the first pitch, which is like something you tell, you know, a 13U travel team and not, you know, a major league guy. <laughs> like, I think major leaguers know not to throw a first pitch fastball right down the middle, <laughs> unless you're Adam Wainwright, apparently. Oh, um, God, but dude.
0: <laughs> Don't i get me started on that. Yeah,
1: I know that that's just to say, like, CJ's age 22 season doing the things he's doing like yeah he he has a lot you still want to continue to see from him but man you cannot argue with what we have been seeing from him and it's pretty exciting
0: oh yeah definitely um you know the the thing is you obviously we want that on base percentage to come up because the more he gets on base the more he steals Yeah, absolutely if if
1: we're being real like it needs to definitely it's going to continue leading off
0: i i absolutely agree um but i will say when he is getting on base he's scoring uh, 48 games in the second half. I believe he scored 35 runs in that time. That is when he gets on base with nobody in front of him, he's scoring it almost every time. So that's a, uh, that's a big deal. So if he can get, you know, that on base percentage up to around 350 where, I mean, his, he's going to be extremely valuable. And yes, thank you for mentioning his defensive improvements I really think I still think it was more of a mental thing from uh, that first game. He had a three error game. Yeah, he had the yips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, had, he struggled out there with and that, with his confidence, and uh, I think he's definitely found some of that in the second half, um, and has looked way smoother. Errors have gone way down, especially um, throwing to first base. He's he, that that's definitely been where he's picked up some errors on the throws, but he's he's been a lot cleaner in that regard recently.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, but the other young guy, like if you want to talk about top of the lineup production uh obviously that's going to be cj spot but having the ability to slide a guy in in the leadoff slot if you're trying to get cj who's still young still learning to play a full 162 just a full season in general if you want to give cj a day off you don't want your offensive production to take a huge hit jacob young has emerged as like a very quality not only like fill in guy but just a quality starter as well like in his you know handful of games because it's still a small sample size but he's had 45 plate appearances or sorry at bats at this point he's batting 311 380 on base percentage with an 802 ops and power is not his game so he's not going to you know hit for 20 bombs or you know might not even hit 10 but he's still managing an 802 ops you know just kind of dinking and dunking and using his speed like his speed is up there with cjs um so having him not only fill in for CJ, but just fill in, in the outfield in general, after Stone Garrett went down, he's been like such a, a breath of fresh air that we sorely needed with all the off the field stuff. And obviously, like I said, the Stone Garrett injury and just kind of the rut the Nats have seemingly been in Jacob Young has been the bright spot.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent with you there. He's actually shown more than I thought he was going to be capable of 100%. Uh, in, in this, in this short stint. Now, again, it's been a very, very short stint, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, He's shown things that we think he can carry over to the future. He's got speed. That's probably not going to go anywhere for a while. He can absolutely run him down out there in center field. Uh, He made one of the most ridiculous plays I've seen from a Nats Nats player this year. Pick your poison. Uh, He's
1: made a couple. (laughs) You're right.
0: But man, that jumping into the wall one from last night was pretty spectacular. Um, The main thing that is really impressing me from, you know, the batting perspective is the walk rate and the way that he works at bats. It was kind of like, how I was hoping Alex call would hit at the beginning of the season where it's like, okay, we finally have, we have an out, uh, yeah. light, light hitting outfielder, but he knows that he can, he can walk and, and he can get on base enough to use his speed. It's just really about getting him on base enough. Uh, cause yeah, like you said, not really a big power threat, although he is uh, able to go gap to gap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he's also been consistent. He's on an 11 game hitting streak now, I believe. So that's, uh, that's definitely important for especially for our position player depth with the Nats, because we need every depth piece we can get right now.
1: Yeah, I was just about to mention his hitting streak. Like it, it's not like the crazy hitting streak, you know, in terms of uh like Julio Rodriguez, for example. Like yeah. what he did was stupid. Like no one's ever really gonna do that. But like credit where credit is due. Like, you know, coming up as a rookie late in the year and you know, not missing a beat. We also need to realize he's jumped four levels this year alone. He's gone from yes. High A Wilmington, which I am re- rocking the uh, Blue Rocks right now with my hat. Um, I just couldn't rock the Nats this week for reasons we'll get to. <laughs> but you know, him. he's Don't gone from High a-, <laughs> High a Wilmington to Double A Harrisburg to Triple A uh, Rochester for Just for a Cup of Coffee, and now he's with the Nats, and he's excelled at every level. And yeah, like absolutely. he's really given. Um, a sense of optimism to the player development program. And obviously, you know, a lot to to, to still go and, and still, you know, need to see from the player development staff, but, you know, having a guy who you didn't have huge expectations or he was the n- number twenty seventh. Uh, or he still might be number 27, uh, ranked prospect in the Nats organization. So again, not, like top 10 top five or anything like that top 100 mlb no, no expectations and for him to come up and do what he's done like it, it is it's exciting to know that we're not solely dependent on uh, you know external transplant guys to to lift us but young has been great
0: yeah or high-end talent i mean he's finally a yeah. guy where it's not a first round pick or a dude that you sign for five million dollar international signing bonus that everyone knows is yeah be good it's it's a guy that you actually developed
1: developed so it's finally yeah, something yeah. we can
0: we can point to and say hey there's something here we have a late round or not a late round pick seventh round pick but still you know we haven't had a seventh round pick we haven't had a third round yeah. pick basically i yeah. yeah. mean it's been like first round or bust with the nats so and you like, gotta have jake, some of those
1: depth pieces jake Alou, for example has been a great story like what 24th round pick yeah or, late, i don't late, even late. know if they go that that long anymore yeah in the so. draft uh it's like something he's been an, a nice story but like you know he he's not necessarily a lock to to stick around long term like he has been okay and I'm rooting for him but Jacob young is like oh this guy has a legitimate shot to start next year not yeah, just no, like I be agree. on
0: the team i i actually so. I'm, i was that was my next point was uh you know as we're still kind of in the transitional period here where some of the guys aren't some of the high end talent guys aren't ready jacob young has a abs- he absolutely has has a claim to that 2024 center field starting role uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, I'm rooting for him for sure. Uh, A guy that does not have a claim for it, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Luis Garcia was recalled from AAA Rochester after uh, about a month or so uh, down in AAA, Riley Adams hits the injured list with a uh, broken left hamate, which is probably news. I mean, it is news in and of itself with the, the great season Adams has been having. And obviously hamate injuries deal with a loss of power, which is what Riley was doing so well of in his limited role. So something to monitor as he recovers, but thankfully, you know, we're towards the end of the season, Luis Garcia, you know, he, he's been okay uh, since he's been recalled and, you know, his demand was more about um habitual things as opposed to like actual performance which i i, I was angry at the uh, demotion when it first happened but if that's truly the reasoning I, I can i can respect that um what are your thoughts on luis garcia just like as i was going to say a prospect i don't mean a, a traditional prospect but his prospects for just securing that second base job
0: yeah well you know i was a big uh i'm a big believer, and I still do believe yeah. that Luis Garcia has a lot of hitting talent in there. Um, I'm not sure if the current coaching staff is is going to be able to get the most out of him. Yeah. Um, you know, you, <laughs> it's it's just shows in and flashes, and then, it, and then it goes away. You need to get that consistency, which is just something he hasn't had. Uh, although, defensively, he's been much more consistent this year, so that is at least something to point to and say, hey, he improved at something, but um, yeah, I mean... We got to see some something happen with the bat, with the power. It's we know it's there. I mean, he showed it before. It's just can we unlock it consistently? Can't consistency? That's really it because he's yeah. he's had these these big these big spikes of production and then it goes back down. So now it's really just trying to get a consistent uh, look at Luis. And listen, if if the Nats ownership situation was different, I'd say maybe you look at the free agent market. Maybe you look at a trade for for maybe one of our uh, many outfield prospects that you can go and get like, uh, uh, I don't know, major league ready prospect for, for or at least close to ready
1: guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, something, but, um, probably he, he's probably going to get, he's going to have a chance, uh, because I can't see the net spending on free agents or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. we'll just have to, to hope that, uh, Luis can, can figure it out. i still really like the guy. So, uh, hopefully, uh, he'll be able to lock in that talent and get some consistency going forward.
1: Yeah. uh, like the, the thing with Luis Garcia, I, like you said, his defense has been better, which is good, but let's just say his defense is, you know, league average at best. Yeah. Um, Which I, I think is a realistic possibility. Um, You know, the, the one thing that helps resolve any defensive issues or concerns is if you hit home runs, <laughs> like let, let, let's be honest, like if that bat, carries the defensive woes you just don't care that's a trade you will make all the time and I think Luis isn't going to be like a 40 home run guy he might not even be a 30 home run guy but we've seen the power and it just it goes back to you saying you know the staff isn't right for him and you know maybe vice versa but Luis has that power and that's just not what the Nationals approach is as a club like CJ and KB Ruiz are having success going away from the club's philosophy pulling the ball in the air And, you know, they're (laughs) experiencing like second half surges because of it, whereas Luis Garcia didn't really have the opportunity for, you know, that second half surge because he was demoted. Mm -hmm. And again, I I think with all things considered, I agree with the demotion, but this is still a guy you want to see pan out and you want to you know, play to his strengths and not have him fit your mold just because you're too stubborn to change or, you know, that's what you've always done or anything like that. So I, I hope they let him play to his strengths a little bit more, pull the ball in the air because he's good at it. And, you know, you, you've posted uh, videos about him loving those high fastballs. Like, let him let him eat <laughs> I yeah, mean, for, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know if this is him. I don't know if this is what they're
0: telling him. He swing. He swings at pitches down and and rolls over ground balls all yeah. the time. I'm like, man, and he you loves don't the even high swing pitches. at them. Yeah, I know. Just Sw- let them the be. stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's that's. I can't tell you if that's him or if that's Coles or whatever, but uh,
1: it feels like Coles. But... Seems like
0: because that seems like what the whole team freaking does, right? Swing at everything. So I don't know, man. It's uh, right. it's the, in- Sorry, the talent's there. We yeah. just need to unlock it. basically. Yeah,
1: the entire team has a problem with walk rate. Aside from Alex call, because he just cannot hit a baseball. So you rely solely yeah. on walks, but the entire team has a problem with walk rate and pitch selection. It's not that they're chasing. It's they're just like refusing to strike out. So they'll induce weak contact. Like it, it, it's kind of a backwards way, but
0: yeah. Swinging at pitches that you don't have to swing low, at quality pitches. Low quality. Yeah. That's, yeah. that was, that's always my thing with Ruiz. When Ruiz takes a strike, it's on that. Let's say he gets a pitch on the outside corner for a strike he is generally better in those at bats where he just takes that strike because he's yep. going to get a better pitch to hit.
1: Yeah. And, and it's like, worked
0: and it's all good with being aggressive, but it's being aggressive on your pitch. You don't want yeah. you don't have to swing at a pitcher's pitch when you don't have two strikes, when you have two strikes, you know, do what you can to survive, try and put the ball in yeah, play. That's but different. but mm-hmm. yeah, before two strikes, the, the selection, the, the pitch selection has got to be better team wide like Ruiz has done in the second half, you can see the improvement. So I don't Mm -hmm. understand why they don't look at that and say, hey, maybe we should all be doing this, but what do I know?
1: Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of uh, what do we know, the answer right now is not much when it comes to what the heck is going on in the front office. (laughs) Uh, You know, Mike Rizzo still not extended. We assume he will be back, but like it's kind of getting – to the point where you know red flags are raising alarm bells are, are sirening like this is confusing add on to that you know the johnny depuglia resignation which we talked about last week and now they just let go of 12 scouts from their scouting department they moved chris klein from the um i don't remember what his exact title was but basically he was in charge of he was rizzo's pick to be in charge of the draft And they moved him to just kind of like a special assistant to scout major league talent and not have anything to do with the draft. So they are like actively taking away responsibility when it comes to the draft and player development from Rizzo. And obviously DePuglia seemingly resigned because he, he saw that coming. So it's just like a very weird situation. That being said, it's not like the nationals had exactly been killing the draft in, in Rizzo's tenure. So it's not a, Bad thing. As long as those scouts get replaced, obviously, if those scouts are just getting the axe as a cost-cutting measure, then it's a horrible thing, and uh, you know the learners need to sell the team.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my my point. Actually, is just like it, it would. It, the reason why they're cutting scouts is not the reason why they should be cutting them. Yeah, uh, and, uh, seemingly. We'll see. We ha- we obviously don't. I, know. I
1: pray, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: it's it's definitely. And it's interesting, like, because I mean, we haven't scouted that well recently, so it's not necessarily the worst thing to get rid of some scouts if we're going to replace
1: them. Replace them, yeah. Yeah. Getting rid um, of yes, replacing no. Absolutely. Like and also,
0: you know, those were Rizzo's hires, yeah. so that kind of shows you that ownership is willing there's to do, do something against what Rizzo yeah. wants. Yeah. And you know, there's other stuff too. So the the, the whole situation is
1: actually it's just, a mess.
0: It's it's pure chaos and we don't know what's going to come from it. So we're just going to have to speculate uh, with what we got and uh, hope that a a resolution for the team selling comes soon.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, even you see like Barry, I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. So I apologize. Don't worry about it. Don't know. Sorry. Very sorry. Of the Washington Post, he's usually like very pro-learner, very pro-national. He came out and said it's long past time to sell the team. You need to aggressively try to sell the team. Yeah. That just shows you how like if you get to the point where DC media, who's the most notoriously nice and team-friendly media out there, is turning on the team, that just shows you how much of a mess things are. And it really encapsulated you know the chaos with the whole Steven Strasberg thing. I assume everyone knows what we're talking about, but just in case anyone listening does not necessarily follow the Nats or watching does not necessarily follow the Nats. Steven Strasberg, you know, first overall pick world series MVP, uh, you know, dealt with major injuries all throughout his career. Uh, tried to rehab from thoracic outlet syndrome and just major nerve damage in his arm over the past three years ultimately decided he just couldn't do it anymore. They decided to retire. You know, fans are very emotional because even though the contract is massive and Schroeser made, what, like two starts on it, um, we know what he meant to this team. And, you know, him having a retirement ceremony that was supposed to be yesterday, September 9th, um, you know, th- that was going to be a, a feel-good moment. Instead, you know, th- there was a... Basically, it basically didn't happen. And the exact reasoning hasn't been fully disclosed yet. It feels like the learners are kind of being cheap. There's reports that Rob Manfred stepped in and said it would set a bad precedent to pay someone their full contract, even though uh, they retired. It, it, it just depends on who you believe there. There's, of course, the people who hate Scott Boris and, you know, vilify him at every turn. They think it's Boris is doing which is just they hate boars for negotiating through the media when the learners are doing the exact same thing. Um, so it, it, it's a mess. And, you know, I get and it just depends on your view of things. But what are your view? What is your view of the Steven Strasburg situation?
0: Uh, well, Nick, it's not good. I can not tell great. you that. Um, <laughs> not basically... Great. It it all comes down to – I mean, you can believe whatever you want to believe about who said this and who said what. Bottom line here is it comes down to one decision by the Lerner family. When they signed that contract, they purposely did not insure it. They did not want to pay the premiums. This isn't speculation. They said it themselves. That is why they did not insure the contract of a guy who has had multiple injuries, multiple Tommy Johns, multiple cortisone shots in his neck in 18 – like you think that that dude's not going to have another injury at any point. That's their own fault. It's their own greed. That's hurting them now. That's the, that's the fact that we know. As for all the other speculation about how they're apparently broke. I saw that that's stupid about how Manfred <laughs> apparently is stepping in. That's like a Jim Bowden tweet that he deleted. Like, should we believe Jim Bowden? Probably not. Um. So it's, it's all over the place. Everyone's throwing stuff around, but again, Bottom line is they didn't insure that contract of their own greed. That's the only reason they're in this situation now. And um, their statement that Mark Lerner put out that basically insinuated that Steven Strasberg is going to have to try and rehab and be ready for spring training is absolutely ridiculous. He is 100% disabled in terms of pitching at the MLB level. He has permanent nerve damage in his shoulder. He can't, he can barely even live without pain, let alone pitch. So that's just completely disingenuous to, for, to, if they actually they don't they know he can't pitch so it's disingenuous because you're you're trying to paint a picture as if everything's totally perfectly fine with him when it's absolutely not so it's it's just it's a bad look for the for the entire organization really um in terms of you know how the, the everyone views us and and how other players and how other executives might view the Nats now um bottom line learners got to get get rid of the team uh to yeah. to, to get some some semblance of yeah. reputation back
1: yep absolutely uh you know final thoughts on it is one you know it, it sours what should be a very sentimental and emotional moment um and steven trossberg who's not one for making a big deal of things he's always kept to himself like him even like smiling and giving annabelle sanchez a hug during the world series run was like a huge deal so Like he obviously he's not going to make a big deal out of this, but it it sucks for him too. Mm -hmm. like it just does. Um, And then last point, if you are taking the time to defend the learners on Twitter, you're a loser. Like you just are. <laughs> I, yeah,
0: I mean, we can't yeah. normally be that black and white with that sort of thing. But, you uh, are.
1: I, I'm. I'm 100
0: with you on that. And another thing, people need <laughs> yeah. to realize too it's is just... that Steven Strasberg's not retiring in the normal sense. He's only retiring because he can't. Pitch
1: Due anymore. to medical reasons. Yeah. I
0: mean, the amount of time people I have seen, like, oh, he's retiring. Why do they have to pay him? I'm like, dude. It's just why you're... is he
1: retiring? Stop defending they... billionaires. Like, I know. They're, like... they're not going to love you use
0: some critical thinking <laughs> skills for half a second and realize the reason he's retiring is because yeah. he physically cannot pitch. It is nothing, nothing to do with him. Not wanting to play. We don't, it's, it's not an Anthony Rendon situation here. Okay.
1: Right. Yeah. That that's,
0: that's a totally different thing. Totally different and, thing. and Strasburg no, has, list today. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous, but Strasburg has done everything in his power to get back on. He got a freaking rib removed. I mean, what, is, what else you want the guy to try and do? I, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I'm pretty much hundred percent with you there
1: yeah so all right before we move on let's pause and get a word from our sponsors perfect timing because i need to plug in my laptop and i know you're going to cut this anyways so perfect
0: nope now i'm leaving it in fuck
1: leave uh, it all in sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right we're at about 22 minutes so we'll uh i'll speed up this oh i want to yeah, have we're a,
0: actually we're doing all right Let we can, we can do uh we'll have a okay. good discussion on the cy young and then and uh, then We'll go Run a little quicker, rest. but yeah, we, we don't have to rush too quick.
1: Cool. All right. All right, we're back, and now let's shift the conversation to the entire National League. Last week, we talked about the NL MVP, which, for those following, has not gotten any clear, although Mookie Betts is a little bit banged up this um right now mm-hmm. and didn't play in the series against the Nationals, which would have stat padded a lot for him i can only imagine um but let's freeman got the nice boost instead yeah exactly (laughs) um let's shift to the national league cy young award which is very similar to the national league mvp award but for different reasons the national and national league mvp award you have three legitimate candidates and the national league cy young award you have a bunch of the guys that could win like no one's really running away with it and no one has like a over overly compelling argument to win you know you have spencer strider for atlanta who you know strikes out a lot of guys but his era is like a three nine right now you have blake snell who leads the league in era but he walks a lot of guys uh you know justin Steele of the cubs like doesn't necessarily have the pedigree which i think is a factor here but he's having a very solid season but doesn't have the innings pitch and then you have you know the the guys that do pitch mornings like your zach wheeler and logan webb who you know don't have the the eye-popping numbers but you know they're pitching the most for teams that are in contention so it's just like a very interesting and compelling argument and i think it's going to be one of the closer votes we've seen in in recent memory do you have a, a guy you like more than the rest when it comes to nl cy young
0: no, I actually don't. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Not that I like. Not that I like better. Um, right. You know, like you said, it's it's kind of a bunch of guys here who do certain things well and maybe not so well in some other areas. There's no dominant starter this year yeah. like there was last, like Alcantara. Um, so there's definitely discussion to be had. But I gotta just gush a little bit about Logan Webb uh, because <laughs> here's the thing with with me, it's the Cy Young voting is pretty simple. The first two things you look at are innings and and run prevention. Innings and run prevention. I don't care how you prevent those runs or how you throw those innings. If you do it, that's what it sh- that's what should matter first. I'm not saying any other stats don't matter because then you can start once with, once it's close enough, like it is right now. You can start you know nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think we need to remember. Like I'm a, I'm an advanced stat guy, but we got to remember that the most important thing about pitching is is preventing runs and and eating innings. I mean Logan Webb. He has gone less than five innings like twice this year. I think mm-hmm. funnily enough, once was his worst start of the year was against was Haas, good by the way yeah. Yeah, he went like one inning. It was crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah. When ended, were, like, 50
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> but he has the most innings in the league, uh, with 193, with good run prevention. It's not nearly at the same level as Snell or as Steele, but he also has, you know. Thirty-five to forty more innings than both of them. That's a lot of outs that he is getting that those guys are not getting. So while I don't think he should win, I think he should actually have some hype. Um, him and, and Zach Gallen as well. Zach Gallon is uh, he, yep. he's kind of fallen down a bit, but his innings uh, he had are a great. Are start impressive. the other night. Yes, I think that pushed him up over one eighty-five. So you know, with these with these guys that there's so few guys now that get get to the two hundred inning mark. If Mm -hmm. you have a pitcher that gets to that mark now, I mean,
1: it's kind of a big deal.
0: It's a huge deal. It's super valuable because nobody else is doing it. So it's uh, Logan Webb is definitely going to go over 200. If he continues the run prevention that he's been doing uh, recently, then we might have we might have a competition. Um, But yeah, right now it's basically impossible to vote. I mean, yeah, I could not give you a 100 percent selection right now.
1: Yeah, I also think I misspoke. I think Justin Steele actually overtook uh, Blake Snell for the ERA lead, but they're yeah, kind yes. of neck and neck. It's, it's like right yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. Um, it It's a tough decision. Um, I would say I think Blake Snell has the uh, – if you're going to argue Blake Snell, you can easily argue Justin Steele. It's it, it's tough. It's
0: tough. It's really really tough. I mean, the, the one thing that you could say about Snell is that he leads the league in a, in a in batting average allowed, so he's not right. getting hit.
1: Um, so right. that's kind of his and big, he, has a, big claim to fame. he has a higher K percentage than than Steele. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, way more walks. Justin Steele has the big advantage there. I want to talk about two things really quick. I think. Spencer Strider, under, unless he goes perfect game, perfect game, or something it, insane like that, he is not really the contender in my mm-hmm. mind. He's a contender, sure, having a fine season, but he's not the Cy Young to me. I, I think...
0: Charlie Morton's having a better season than he is. Right, like,
1: when you're not, arguably not the best pitcher on your team, that came out wrong, but... You, <laughs> I, yeah, you, you I know you what get, you mean. Yeah, you get what yeah. the point I'm trying to make. I think he's having a fine season. I just don't think it's Cy Young caliber. Like, his ERA is almost four, and I know ERA is iffy in in some respect, but, you know, he's giving up um, a lot of home runs. Like You talked about run prevention is is a big deal. His isn't, like, what you would expect out of a Cy Young caliber pitcher. But it's also, like, you know, the argument we're having is no one's really running away with it. So he's in that conversation. Sure, I just would not pick him in my top three if yeah. i had to pick my top three I, I love everything you said about logan webb i think it can also be applied to zach wheeler i think yeah. zach wheeler is in my mind who i would pick for Cy young again you know you're not going off the conventional era wins like even if you're going off wins uh, yeah i guess strider leads uh the group with 16 but you know wins are a team set we've talked about like talked about that but you know 20 years ago wins were everything (laughs) you know even like 10 years ago when uh i don't even know if it was that long porcello beat furlander because porcello had 22 wins like that was just absurd um but we're starting to finally get to the point where wins aren't like the end-all be-all when it comes to cy young and zach wheeler you know he is an outside shot at 200 innings he should get to the 190s comfortably um you know he he's i don't think he's hit the il his whip is just over 1 you know he's going to strike out more than 200 guys he's on a playoff team if if that's what your you know it'll help vote yeah it, it's just like i think he's kind of the um best of everything like he's not the best at any one thing but he's you know top 3 in everything if that kind of makes sense so that's mm-hmm. where i would vote and then it would probably be Snell and Steele flipped at you know two three yeah for me that makes sense. Mm. Uh, I
0: also want to give a shout out to Kodai Senga who has also been extremely yeah. good this year, uh, especially he he start he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. I mean since May that dude has been lights out for them. So got to give him a big credit. He's like top three in a bunch of different pitching categories in the National League. I don't think he'll win, um, but he he's he's right there in the ERA. He's got like a three ERA so. Uh, there's something there. Uh, if he continues to have, if he throws four gems, you never know. So I guess we'll find out, but uh, you yeah. know, I, I think, I think you're right though. It's, it's going to be really tough, uh, <laughs> really close. And honestly, I'm not sure uh, if <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not sure uh, any of these seasons are like, really all that great. You know what I mean? It seems like it's kind of just like, yeah, no one's having that dominant season, like I said earlier. So it's just a matter of seeing yeah. uh, who who again, who can have the best couple last couple starts here.
1: This this was the year like if we had that really dominant closer, this is the year they would they like, might get some hype. be a legitimate argument. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have that really, yeah. um, at least not in the National League. I Although I guess Bautista's hurt for the Orioles, so we don't have it in the American League yeah. either. Um, all right, let's move on. We'll, you know, shift. Uh, from the Braves Cy Young candidate to the Braves I, I'm just getting the sense that it's the Braves pennant to lose like they're obviously very very good Ronald Acuna is a big baby but you know that's besides the point um, but if you're looking at potential competitors to the Braves in the NL like I know the Phillies got to them last year and they obviously have a lot of experience facing each other it just feels like it, it's going to be the Braves like If you want to look at the Dodgers, for instance, who I know have notoriously struggled in the postseason more often than not, they're just not even as close to as good of a team as they normally are, especially on the pitching side. Gonsolin needs Tommy John. Bueller just was announced to not be returning this year, and uh, Arias is just a scumbag and should never pitch in Major League Baseball again. So, like, who's their number one right now? Like. It, the fact that you can't live—I mean, yeah—I guess Kershaw's still there. I just assume Kershaw's still hurt. But, you yeah, know. he's he's
0: actually healthy, but uh, yeah, yeah, out, he, so. he's
1: very good right now. So I, I did not mean to, you know, <laughs> skip over one of the all-time grades. But the fact that you can't be like, oh my god, the Dodgers pitching rotation is, is down like that has historically. It, that's been, pretty.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild.
1: Right. So you know, and and from there you're like really needing to make a compelling argument, like for the Phillies or for, you know, whoever's leading, I guess it's Spurs right now. This is the central, like, and, and it's just like, you're, you're grasping at straws. So to me, it just feels like it's going to be the Braves and they're my least favorite team in baseball. So sick. Love that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what we have in common. I also agree with that. And I also agree that it is, we are kind of grasping at straws to try and find some way that they can be beat in the national league. I was looking at it last night. I think the best team to do so is probably the Phillies again. Um, Yeah, they have, you know, guys that have that experience. They have an ace in Zach Wheeler. Aaron Nola hasn't been great this year, but he can still give you a big game performance. Um, And then it's after that, it's like the only real chance you have is like if the Brewers three headed monster of Burns Peralta and now Woodruff, who's come back off the injured list, if they can shut you down, because that's really the only other chance is to have like extremely good starting pitching. I think we're going to have to just, we're, we're going to have to bandwagon the O's. I think, I think the Orioles are the only team that could potentially beat the Braves. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that even come close to matching up with them. Yeah. Um, maybe the Mariners, if the They're Mariners hot right stay now. hot and yeah. they have, they do have that rotation. They do have the starting pitching that you need. Um, but I think the Orioles are probably the best shot. I don't think anyone in the national league, has a chance. I would love to be wrong. Please prove me. Please. Wrong, but yeah.
1: I, I don't see it, unfortunately. The the team we have to think about though is the Astros. Like we oh just, yeah. We we cannot sleep on them. And trust me, I would love to. I would love to just curl up and have the deepest, nicest sleep of my life when it comes to the Astros, but we can't. Especially now that Verlander's back, and I know everyone's like clowning them for giving up their top two prospects or whatever just to re-sign Verlander, effectively.
0: Yeah, but he's and, back,
1: and you know that that team is just so experienced. They're the reigning World Series champions. We like we talked about it la- last episode. You know, we just cannot sleep on them, and you know they've they've overtaken the West. Um, actually, I should probably look that. Are the Mariners the, in first? Uh,
0: the the Astros are currently in first. I'm not okay. sure. All right they they can't actually yeah the Astros can't not be in first right now even if they lost today
1: okay so. well good uh that just helps my point but that team is so well experienced and you know Dusty he, listen I have my thoughts on Dusty he, he's just a safe manager and that's what a team like Houston with such a stacked roster needs they just need a, a constant obviously he's going to do things that frustrates you and it feels like they have (laughs) some of that going on right now but again now that he's finally gotten over the hump I think Dusty knows how that team best operates and obviously getting Verlander back to steady the the rotation you don't have to you know dump everything on Valdez and um um, what can I honor Brown or Javier Javier, yeah Javier was the other one but yeah Browners too uh, like the fact that you have that vet there to kind of steady the rotation. Obviously you have a sack lineup. I, I just think the Astros might even give the Orioles some trouble. And I love the Orioles. I love the story. I'm not one of those Nats fans that be like, oh, you can only root for one or the other, but the Orioles don't have an ace. Like they don't have that game one starter. They have yeah, a bunch of guys that could do well, but no one you feel great about giving the ball to.
0: Yeah. That was, I actually, I totally forgot about Houston uh, as, as a potential
1: you're sleeping on him.
0: I I I guess I was. How about that? Um, you, you know, I think, uh, you know, if Verlander continues to pitch well, they've they do have a three-headed monster because I know Javier hasn't had the season that he's wanted. But he's if he's been your there.
1: three, you're comfortable.
0: He's been there. He's thrown six perfect innings, uh, in the World Series. So I'll take the I'll take that uh, for sure. I'll mm-hmm. take that experience. That experience. Speaking of experience. Jose Altuve is back and playing as well as he ever has. I mean, this guy yeah. is going nuts. Yeah. And and it, he looks like he never left. 70 games. He's already at four F war almost. That's that's ridiculous. 160 WRC plus. He's raking. He's playing good defense. And he's seemingly not slowing down after an injury. And the fact that he's getting older is not hurting him at all. He's going to be a big deal in that playoff, uh, that playoff push for them. Uh, offensively he's going to have to have a big post postseason I expect him to
1: yeah I I would agree I mean he's been there a time or two as well so
0: yeah just a couple times
1: yeah just a couple times all right to wrap this up we are going to take a trip down to the farm as we did last week and as we will continue to do last week we talked about uh the Harrisburg Blues and we're going to touch on uh the Blue Rock blues Blue blues <laughs> but not blues because yeah, we're talking but not about blues. good things <laughs> um wilmington for those that don't know this is delaware not north carolina but a notoriously difficult uh place to hit just because it's a very pitcher-friendly park with it being close to the water and the wind and the park dimensions and everything that you know obviously factors into a pitcher versus hitter-friendly park um and that was I can only assume part of the reason to have Dylan Cruz go directly from single a Fredericksburg to double a Harrisburg um, is to potentially avoid a, you know, struggle in uh, Wilmington. Granted James Wood was there and uh, Johanny Morales and uh, Andrew Pinckney, who we're about to talk about also performed well in Fredericksburg, but they went to um, Wilmington regardless, whereas Cruz skipped. Morales and Pinckney, have been revelations and i know morales was a second round pick he was projected to be a first round pick so it's like it's not overly surprising but it's still like a feel-good surprise which is obviously the best surprise to have in the this team and organization it gives us plenty of uh, feel bad surprises the thing with morales though is he has legitimate 40 home run potential you know obviously as he, he progresses he is still i let me double check he did no, not you're, hit you're correct. A, yeah. Okay. He has still not hit a home run. And you might think, oh my God, like he's struggling. He still has an OPS of 930 without hitting a home run in Wilmington. And uh, in Fredericksburg, he didn't hit a home run and he still had an OPS over a thousand. Like doing that is so backwards. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> and it just goes to show, like, he doesn't need to rely solely on his home run skills, but my God. This kid is, is special, and then Andrew Pickney. We talked about Jacob Young kind of being like a um, not forgotten, but long shot guy as a seventh round pick. Andrew Pickney was a fourth round pick, so a little bit higher. But anything past like the first 100 picks in the draft is like is just a crapshoot. It just is like there. There's no such thing as a lock in the MLB draft, or you know, drafts in general, but especially once you get past the top 100 picks in the MLB draft, it's really kind of just so many underslots and so many guys that could have gone earlier, but decide to go to college instead and, and, and whatnot. Andrew Pinkney has been great and just adds to the good problem to have in the Nats outfield organizational depth. He's having an OPS over 900 in, uh in Wilmington as well. And it, it just, I don't know what's going on because you would expect Wilmington to kind of dampen these players. And maybe it has a little bit, but not noticeably. And we're talking about guys that could move through the ranks fairly quickly as we, you know, progress into 2024.
0: Yeah. And and the thing, uh, we, you can pretty much ignore slug in Wilmington because, uh, (laughs) big dimensions, 20 foot wall all around. I mean, like you Mm -hmm. said, uh, the wind changes pretty, pretty rapidly there. It's on the water. So, um, you know, if you cut that off and you're kind of just looking at these guys as, as pure hitters, I mean, there's nothing not to like, I I think, I think Morales is, is, is doing something interesting where he's maybe prioritizing developing his hit tool first because he's got, he has raw power. I mean, He hit 21 homers in 60 games last year in college. That's pretty ridiculous. I'm not worried at all that he's going to be able to not be able to find that home run power. If he develops the hit tool now, has that, and then taps in that power, I mean, you're looking at an absolute beast. Uh, Pinckney is really, I mean, I, I, this is, he's going off. (laughs) It's like a 160 WRC plus Mm -hmm. at high. And that whole league, by the way, is not necessarily hitter friendly. So you're looking at like, he's slugging 450 in that, in that league, 450 slug. That is so like people you don't, you got to understand in, in the Carolina league, I believe it's what was it? Or that's yes. uh yeah, nope. Carolina think, league's low. A yeah. Carolina league's Frederick. Okay. I, I can't remember that, what league. anyways. Yeah. Either way, the slugging numbers are not high. Uh And Pinkney having a 450 slug in Wilmington is pretty insane considering. And he's also hitting over 300. Uh, he has a great, Uh, i at the plate as well i believe he's about 440 on base or something crazy like that so he he has the walk tool which is important um so really excited for both of those guys going forward for depth um and maybe even as for you know yo-yo morales is like you said a first round talent he could be a guy that that is a part of our future as a starter so um, absolutely really yeah really impressive uh from from them so far after after that draft
1: yeah and You guys can see why I wore my uh, Blue Rocks hat today. Uh, you know, had to show some love Absolutely for, for guys, it. yeah, for guys that are performing kind of against the odds right now. Ironically enough, like the of the four, you know, minor league, true minor league organizations, obviously, you know, not counting DSL or anything like that. Um, the one, the one area of concern is Harrisburg, <laughs> which is like yeah. not what you would expect. Yeah, um, it is a little weird. They've, they've picked it up a little bit. So uh, Brady yeah. House
0: is, is broken, broken out of his slump. Listen,
1: I love Brady House. He's having some extraordinary babbip luck right now. <laughs> like we're talking more babbip babbip luck than uh, Lane Thomas. But rooting for him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but between House and Morales, we might have our corner infield figured out for the foreseeable yeah. future. Again, like
0: you said, good problem to have when you have yeah. guys competing for a spot.
1: Absolutely. The one other note for the minor leagues as we wrap up. We're officially on Jackson Rutledge watch. Uh, Mackenzie Gore had a start the other day, presumably his final start of the season. Four innings, I believe it was three runs. Um, went on the IL afterwards with blisters, but, but you could have had a blister for sure. But I think it's more just load management, which mm-hmm. perfectly fine with. Jackson Rutledge was scheduled to start in Rochester the same day Mackenzie Gore started, and was instead scratched, and no one has given an official reason yet. So you know the fact that they were lined up to pitch on the same day and you know whatnot, um, presumably means we're going to see Jack Jackson Rutledge's MLB debut. The Nationals just announced their uh, proposed or projected starting rotation for the next series. Which who we play next? We play Braves. Pirates. Pirates. Um, so Corbin. And Adone, I believe, are starting the first two games. The Wednesday game was TBA. So that, if you're looking for a, like an a, in-theory start date for Jackson Rutledge, keep your eye on Wednesday. And Josiah Gray is getting three extra days of rest and starting the Thursday finale against the Pirates. So Thank goodness. Something to keep an eye on, both with Rutledge, Gore, obviously you know his season winding down, and Gray getting extra rest. Uh, something to monitor as we wind down the season absolutely yep but great episode we will see how it turns out um this week trey pleasure doing it with you you got anything else before we uh, bid farewell to our listeners um yeah i mean it's
0: just once again uh we're just kind of trying to find the positives of what's going on on the field for <laughs> for some of these guys so uh just bear with us at the end of the season because we got a lot of uh a lot of young guys we we got to get into and and figure out you know what they got going forward so we're going to be talking uh, about some of those guys yep uh going uh throughout the the month of september um but yeah no i think uh, other than that we got to everything i i had to talk about today so we good
1: yeah so we'll see how oh i guess it, it's also worth mentioning i oh no we, we talked about last week the nats are not even in contention to lose 100 games so there's yes, another positive that's true
0: yeah, Yay, we're not going to lose 100.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, again, be sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to YouTube if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, and then if you're list- or watching on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. Help us out. Leave a review, five stars, all that good stuff. Like on YouTube, like the videos, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, follow us on Twitter. X, it's below. Ticker. <laughs> Whatever uh, it's
0: called. It'll be called something different. Yeah, line
1: up right there all that good stuff that Trey does. And obviously, you know, stay plugged into YouTube to see all the great work Trey does throughout the week. So appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week as we talk about the Nats and hopefully less about off the field stuff and more on the field stuff. Yep. Later guys.